This is Jim Laws along with Nat Ayers, and we're coming to you today over the Internet program, The Gospel is for All, which is brought to you by the Broadway Church of Christ in Tyler, Texas. I hope that you'll take a moment and study along with us today as we come from the pages of the Bible. We always enjoy the opportunity of being with you on the Internet radio, and I hope that our study proves to be a blessing to you and to your family. So take a moment and study with us as we talk about God's wonderful Word for our lives today. While you're doing that, I'd like to invite you to our Spring Gospel Meeting at the Broadway Church of Christ in Tyler. We will have our meeting April the 24th through the 27th. That's a Sunday through Wednesday night. And Rick Brumbach is going to be our guest speaker this year, and I'm sure that you'll want to come and be with us. Our theme for our meeting this year is Christianity in a Modern Age. And that particular theme goes along with what we've been discussing for the last several weeks on our Internet radio broadcast. Our gospel meeting will be, as I said, from Sunday through Wednesday night. It'll be an exciting time for all of us. A gospel meeting is an exciting time for the congregation, as many visitors will come and visit with us. Friends and neighbors will be here. And I encourage you to come along and be with us as well. That's our spring gospel meeting the Christianity is in our modern age and, and how we should look upon it in relation to our uh, culture in which we live. And I think it will be a very exciting, informative time, a time of worship, uh, fellowship, and a great time to be together. So that will be April the 24th through the 27th. Matt and I have been discussing a very important matter. I, I hope you realize something of the significance as well. And that matter is, is there anything in this life that we can truly have confidence in and, and actually believe in and depend upon? And the answer that we have been giving is, yes, there is. Now, we live in a day and a time in which there's a lot of insecurity. Uh, we live in a time in which governments rise and governments fall, in which we've seen the wholesale degeneration of morality in our culture. We've seen a, a lot of that uh, spiral downward. And there is a great deal of hatred and animosity in our world today. Uh, just as a casual observation in these particular matters, I think it's very obvious that that is the case. As in a world filled with change and in a world that uh, seems to be permanent but really is not, is there anything that we can depend upon? And the answer is yes to that. Right. We can depend upon God and God's Word, and we've been looking at that overarching question. Is there anything in the world that we can depend upon? We've used Second Peter chapter 2, verse 4 through 10 as a springboard for that. And if I may, I'd like to read just a verse or two in the beginning of our program today to serve as the beginning point. For if God did not spare angels when they sinned, but cast them into hell and committed them to chains of gloomy darkness to be kept until the judgment, if he did not spare the ancient world, but preserved Noah, a herald of righteousness with seven others when he brought a flood upon the world of the ungodly. Notice how he begins these phrases with the word if. If by turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah to ashes he condemned them to extinction, making them an example of what is going to happen to the ungodly. And if he rescued righteous Lot, and he goes on through in this discussion and tells us what God has done in the past, how that he's warned us about angels who had sinned, he did not spare the people of Noah's day who sinned. He did not spare them. The people of Sodom and Gomorrah, verse 6, he did not spare them. 
We know that he's not going to spare us if we refuse to obey his will. And we've been looking at the blessings of God and the promises of God and the warnings of God. And we found that there are a number of conditions which God has given us regarding to living life acceptably before him. Last week, we looked at the point of how we should receive the grace of God, and that is through obedient faith. And we looked at great passages such as Matthew 10, 32 and 33, and Romans 10, 9 and 10, Ephesians 2, verse 8 and 9, Romans chapter 6, verses 3 through 5, and I think we ended with Galatians chapter 3, verse 26 and 27. Now today I'd like to look at this from a little different standpoint, not about receiving the grace of God so much and, and obeying the gospel of Christ, but how to live the Christian life. Is there any message, is there anything that we can depend upon to help us in living the Christian life? And I'd like to turn to James chapter 2 in beginning our radio program today and and look at what he tells us in these particular passages. I'm thinking about two verses in particular, verse 19, as well as verse 26. Now I'm going to ask you to turn to those verses as we begin to consider the overarching question, is there anything in our world today that we can depend upon? And the answer to that is yes, we can depend upon God. We can depend upon God's Word in how to live the Christian life. Sure. It is good to be with you, Jim, and uh, it's good uh, to have you as our listeners uh, tuning in with us. We'd ask that you make sure your Bibles are open and and uh, you're ready to uh, learn together with us as we study from God's uh, Holy Word. Let's look at this passage, uh, James 2. 19, did you say through 26? Yes, sir. Yes, sir, I did. All right, let's look at this passage. You believe that God is one, you do well, even demons believe and shudder. You do want uh, to be shown, you foolish person. I'm sorry, let me back up. Do you want to be shown, you foolish person, that faith apart from works is useless? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up his son Isaac on the altar? You see that faith was active along with his works, and faith was completed by his works. And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness, and he was uh, called a friend of God. You see that a person is justified by works and not faith alone. And in the same way, uh, was not also Rahab the prostitute justified by works when she received the messenger and sent them out by another way. For as the body apart from the spirit is dead, so also faith apart from works is dead. Now, Jim, when we look at this passage, we're talking here about faith and it being uh, justified by our works, uh, it being um, uh, equaled out by our works. Now, let me ask you, you know, the world looks at this, and oftentimes you hear the the phraseology or the people say, you know, well, you're saying that you can work or earn your salvation. Now, are we talking about a work, for example, of uh, getting out here and mowing this uh, yard uh, um, and, and laboring as a work that, that we could count as righteousness? Or are we talking about here a work of uh, godliness, a work of righteousness, a work of uh, godly merit, if you would. 
uh, or are we looking at this and saying, uh, you know, there are things we must do to earn our way to God? Well, of course, we cannot earn our salvation, can we? No. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9, a Bible passage that we have discussed and really bears um, further consideration that we are saved by grace. It is a matter of not works of merit. It's very clear that we cannot be saved by works of merit. Sometimes we say it this way, we cannot earn our salvation. We cannot so live as to put God in our debt so that he owes it to us. Like your yard illustration, if I go and I um, uh, agree to mow your yard for $100 and I mow the yard, then I have earned that and you, I put you in my debt. Yep. You owe that amount to me. We can't do that with God. No. There's no way that we can so live our lives so righteously because, after all, if we look carefully, we see compared to Christ, our lives are like filthy rags spiritually yep. compared to yep. him. So all of sin have come short of the glory of God. So it's very clear that we cannot earn our soul salvation. Now, there are works of righteousness, works of righteousness which we must do in order to receive the grace of God, and that's the point that James is making. There are certain things we must do in order to receive God's blessings. And you read one of those verses, and I'll go back to that, and you may want to explain some more also. James chapter 2 and verse 26, For as the body apart from the Spirit is dead, so also faith apart from works is dead. Now, he's not talking about works of merit there. He's talking about works of righteousness, deeds which accompany faith. My faith is of such a trusting value that it motivates me to do the will of God. And James is saying, without that, then my faith really is a dead faith. You would be just as likely to have a dead corpse rise out of the ground and go and save a drowning person as you would have being able to be saved by a dead faith. It can't happen. There's nothing about being dead uh, spiritually that can cause one to be saved. And I think that um, this verse, James chapter 2 and verse 26, has caused a lot of consternation on the part of a lot of Bible students uh, because they don't know how to harmonize this matter of being saved by grace and being saved by faith, and at the same time, faith working in the matter of obedience as we see it here in James chapter 2. Jim, uh, a point that I was thinking of uh, just then, when you look at uh, this passage in James 2.21, was Abraham, our father, justified by works when he offered up his son Isaac on the altar? Now, when you you go to um, the the hall of faith found in Hebrews eleven and look at uh, verse eight, it says, "By faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place uh, that he was to receive as an inheritance." Now we're talking about two different aspects in Abraham's life, but we see the same man and the faith that was accounted him. Is this obedience that we're talking about here? This work of righteousness, also, yeah, is this is this what we're talking about in um, being uh, harmonious? Absolutely. You know, there's a there's a difference between works of merit and works of righteousness. Yes, uh, there is a work of righteousness which we must do we to must be obey, pleasing right? in the sight of God to to obey. For example, in John six and and um, oh twenty eight and twenty nine, then they said to him. 
What must we do to be doing the works of God? And Jesus answered them, This is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he sent. Verse 29 is making it clear that this is a work, and it's a work that we must do. What work? To believe. Belief is described as a work in John chapter 6 and verse 29. So there are certain works of righteousness which we must do in order to receive the blessings of God. And without this, James is saying we can't be pleasing in the sight of God. So Abraham was a man who lived by an obedient faith. And in doing that, he received God's blessings. Now, the book of Hebrews talks about this. Hebrews chapter 11. Let's turn to that just for a second, and we'll scan through this great uh, passage of Scripture. We're looking at Hebrews chapter 11. We're looking at the fact that there are certain things you and I have got to do in order to be pleasing in the sight of God. And and for me to say, well, no, no, that's working, and that's earning my salvation, misses the point of yep. these Bible passages. For example, by faith, Abel offered. You know, yep. see what he did there? He did so. He offered to God. Action. His action taking place. Verse 5 in Hebrews chapter 11, by faith Enoch was taken up so that he did not see, uh, so that he did not see death. Verse 7, by faith Noah, being warned of God concerning events, as yet unseen in reverence and fear, reverent fear, constructed. He built an ark. Every every time you go through this particular passage, you see that these people out of faith, out of faith, did something. Yeah. Notice uh, with regard to the matter of uh, Abraham in verse 8, by faith Abraham obeyed. <laughs> that's right. And so that's what James is saying over here in James chapter 2. The difficulty is not that great. Uh, if you take the position that it's a faith-only matter, that I don't have to do anything in order to receive God's salvation, you're going to have a problem with James. And you don't really understand. uh, When you look at Hebrews 11, if you think that's what faith is, that simply it's a a, uh, system of belief, well, we see here that faith was accounted to them with their action, that faith... Uh, without those works is it's really no faith it's a dead faith right that it takes the the faith uh, working uh, with obedience working with righteousness um wor- those righteous works that show that that's truly faith that's so true jesus would say if you love me you'll keep my commandments yes. you'll do it yeah uh john chapter 14 and verse 15 uh, it's found also in that chapter john 14 and 21 Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Over and over again, he's emphasizing the fact that if we really love God, if we really have faith in Christ, then we're going to be obedient to him and do what faith requires. And that's not working for one's salvation. That's right. That is not the uh, matter of earning salvation. It is still the free gift of God, even though we comply with the steps which God has given us to follow. That is right. Well, you know, the the passage that, that we read, even the demons believed. Yeah. Now, see here, they didn't have the works. You know, we see here that even, you know, mankind can simply believe that Jesus Christ was a man and existed, but if you're not willing to follow him, the demons weren't willing to do what he commanded them to do. They could not become his followers because of that. Mm -hmm. Um, We can simply just believe, but faith, having faith, uh, requires action. It requires 
the 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 righteous work uh, of obedience. That's so true. First John chapter five is another great verse in this matter. Verse two. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and obey his commandments. There you go. For this is the love of God, verse 3, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not, not burdensome. burdensome. We must do what God has said yeah. do out of faith. Right. And that's James's point in James chapter 2. Now, this we can have uh, confidence in. Yeah. We can depend on this message. The Christian life yes. is a life that is lived out of obedient faith, right. that I'm following the will, the word, the yes. commandment of God for my life. And when I comply with that, I can be pleasing in the sight of God. If I will not comply with that, I will not be pleasing in the sight of God, and I'll face the consequences yeah. for it. Well, you know, this this last section here in, in 1 John 5, 3 and, and those commandments are not burdensome. The world would have you think when when they say, "Well, you're saying there that that uh, you you've got to earn your salvation through works." Well, they're wanting to put this this idea that following God, you're saying it's burdensome, it's work to to earn yourself. Well, that's not what we're talking about. When you have the right attitude in the heart and the mindset that you say, "I love God," you're willing to follow His commandments, and that's not a work like it is to get out and toil in the soil or dig a ditch. That's not that burdensome work. And when our hearts get right, it's no it's no chore at all to want to do what God asks us to do. It's not burdensome at all if our heart and our attitudes are right. That's so true. It's so important to do the will of God. Yes. And this is not earning salvation. No. It is the free gift of God. Notice James chapter 1. I thought of this verse as you were making reference to that, uh, Nat. In James chapter 1 and 27, religion that is pure and undefiled yep. before God the Father is this. Now, this kind of tips us off as to what real religion in the sight yep. of God is all about. To what? To visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. Here's something you've got yep. to do. You have got to help the helpless, and you've got to keep yourself pure. Sounds like action to me. That's action. Yeah. And it's going to take a lot of work. Yeah. It's going to take a lot of work on our part to help the helpless, those who are truly in need. Yes. And then to keep ourselves unstained or unspotted from the world, to keep ourselves pure, to keep ourselves from being involved in the pollution and the sin of this world. You know, Jim, we have a visitation program here on like on Sundays where we get to go out and visit those in the nursing home and the widows and those that are shut in, you know, that feet that meet that standard. And you always think, well, that that's that takes a little time. That takes a little. Time. But I truly, when you walk away from doing that, how blessed you are, and you can see how how godly it is to be able to uh, help out and be, just to be there in the lives of these people that need you, and how uh, you can see that this is pure uh, religion. This is pure a love for other people's souls. When you're able to devote some of your life, you can't equate that to going out. And digging a ditch and and earning uh, something, you yeah, know? that's yeah. not that is not the work that we're talking about here. Right. This is a righteous work. Yeah, it is a work of righteousness which yeah. we do, which God requires. That's right. God requires that. Turn with me to Hebrews chapter ten. I thought of this verse as we were talking about this matter, and through the book of Hebrews, you'll have a number of these uh, let us passages. There, there's one that's found here in. Verse 22, there's one that's found in verse 23. 
I think I'll pick up with the one in verse 24. I'm talking about the encouragement that the Hebrew writer gives us to renew our zeal and our devotion to God. He says in Hebrews 10 and 24, And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. We have responsibility to work for the Lord. That's what James is talking about. We're talking about Christian living. We're talking about living the kind of life that God would be pleased with us, that is acceptable in the sight of God. Is this a work? It is a work of righteousness, which God requires. Is this earning our salvation? There's no way. There's no way any of us can do that. But here we're being motivated to love and good works. Notice verse 25, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. We have an obligation to encourage one another and help one another to worship together. Hebrews 10 and verse 25, and these are acts of faith which are done to be pleasing in the sight of God. Absolutely. Um, You know, and you see here uh, in talking about Christian living, the importance of this, you know, if you're listening this this, uh, this morning or this evening, uh, whichever it may be, uh, and, and you're not someone that meets with the Lord's church or, you know, well, we'd encourage you to do that. We'd encourage you to meet with a, a church of Christ in your area because part of fulfilling uh, the the works that God has asked us to fulfill is stirring up others, is building up others, edifying, building up the body of Christ. And it's hard to do that without uh, your presence uh, in that body. And, and so we'd encourage you uh, to, if you're not worshiping with the, the Lord's church, we encourage you to, to worship uh, with a church of Christ in your area and help. Uh, this is part of that work that we're talking about is your presence in worship. You Absolutely. Know? Absolutely. Why don't we talk about this, living the Christian life and our obligation to do that before God from the standpoint of Galatians chapter 5. So why don't we all turn to that Bible passage in our Bible study today and let's consider just what the will and the word of the Lord is for us in the matter of Christian living. And the point is, can we depend upon this? We absolutely can. God's word has not changed on this matter. Now, as we look at these particular references, I'll begin in about verse 19, and we can continue on down through verse 22 and 23. Uh, We're going to see that life's changed a lot. Uh, If you look at the lay of the land that we live in, there's going to be a lot of things here that at one time we looked upon as being sinful or wrong, but now is acceptable in the side of the culture. In fact, I've even seen some community religious leaders come out and endorse certain of these sins that I'm about to read from the pages of the Bible. The point being, I can't depend upon them. I cannot depend upon men who will change their mind and change their views over time, contrary to what the Word of God says. But one thing I can depend upon is what the Word of God says. Now, let's study just a few of these matters. Ned, I'll ask you to read for me just a, a few verses here. I'm in James chapter 5, and we're beginning at about verse, oh, you can start at 18 or 19 there, and just read a few verses for us. Sure. Uh, let's, let's start with 18. But if you are led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. Now the works of flesh are evident, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, sorcery enmity, strife, jealousy, Fits of anger, uh, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, 
that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. You know, Jim, when you look at that list from 19 down to 22 um, or 21, and you look at the world we live in today, you know, it's hard to imagine uh, the climate getting much more acceptable of things, these sort of things as it is right now. Of course, I know, uh, you know, the days of Noah, the uh, the mind of man constantly thought of evil things. You know, are we that bad? Are we as bad as Sodom and Gomorrah? I don't know. But we're living in a time where many of these things that Paul speaks against are totally acceptable in this culture. And we see here in 21 that those who practice these things are not going to inherit the kingdom of God. And that's a fact. That's a fact that's not going to change. But the the fact also is that those who practice the fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, you know, that that is a good marker of someone who is in a good relationship uh, with Christ Jesus. That is so true, Nat. And I I think that summarizes the point that we've been trying yeah. to make for several weeks now. Yes. You can't depend upon what modern man no. teaches. You can't depend upon the culture to tell you what's right and what's wrong. You can't determine what's right and what's wrong by popular vote. It's like people go into the polling booth and will decide whether sexual immorality is right or whether sexual immorality is wrong. You can't it's decide wrong. it that way. It's wrong. It's right here. And you can depend upon what God says, yeah. but you can't depend upon what the culture says. Yeah. And it's changed in the last few years. It changes all the time. Yeah, absolutely. And and that's the point. Is there anything we can depend upon? Yes. I mean, look at how the world has changed in the last five to ten that's years. Right. And is there anything that's secure that we know is always going to be right and always going to be true? The answer to that is yes. Yes. It is the Word of God. Absolutely. The Word of God never changes. And if sexual immorality is wrong in the first century, it's wrong today. That's right. And it'll be wrong next year. And it'll be wrong 100 years from now if this old world is allowed to stand that long. You know, Jim, if we want the answers for how to live a life today, in this world of ever-changing uh, immorality, we've got to go to the Bible, the only thing that's not going to change. That's right. If we want to raise Christian families, have children with us in heaven, then we need to go to the Bible and hold to God's unchanging word. Absolutely. We've enjoyed being with you this uh, half hour and look forward to being with you again next time.